Hello and welcome to FITV's News Roundup. I'm Catherine Daniels. And I'm Hannah Newton. Coming up on this week's programme, police awards, demining and the new season for the inline hockey league. In the swab update for this week, the government confirmed that there are currently no positive cases of COVID-19 in the Falkland Islands. Falkland Islands government has received confirmation that it will receive a third batch of COVID-19 vaccines. And while the exact timing is yet to be confirmed, it is anticipated that these will arrive in the week beginning the 22nd of March. In light of this news, KMH is working on plans to provide first doses for people who have not received the vaccine and are aged between 18 to 45. To this end, Stanley Vaccination Centre will now remain open during the week beginning the 29th of March in order for people within this age group who live in or can travel to Stanley to receive their first vaccination. For 18 to 45-year-olds who live on the West or Outer Islands, they will receive their first dose from the travelling vaccination team. The team is working with Figas to arrange a schedule for the week beginning the 5th of April, which will involve providing first doses for 18 to 45-year-olds, as well as second doses for people living in those areas who received their first dose in the earlier stages of the vaccination programme. An executive council paper from the end of January states that if the Falkland Islands government does not act soon, there is a serious and significant risk to the King Edward Memorial Hospital. The budgets and resources that are currently available fall significantly short of those required to maintain the building to a satisfactory standard, and this has been the case for a significant period. The currently identified backlog of repairs amounts to in excess of £3.3 million. In the Exco paper, Deputy Director of Public Works estimates that the annual operational budget for the hospital should total £1 million, which is a combination of the external fabric of the building and the internal services and finishes. Instead, the hospital was managing on less than half of that. At a time when a pandemic is sweeping the globe, it is more important than ever to know that our own medical facilities are up to scratch. Put simply, they're not. In an Executive Council paper released earlier on in the year, members of the Legislative Assembly were urged to approve additional capital funding of £2 million over four years to address the substantial backlog of necessary repairs. The budgets and resources that are currently available fall significantly short of those required to maintain the building to a satisfactory standard. And this has been the case for a significant period of time. The operating theatre, for example, has not been upgraded at all since 1987 and now poses a very significant increase in the likelihood of post-theatre infection. In fact, the paper makes for worrying reading. We have a deteriorating building in a state of disrepair with key services like heating, lighting, ventilation and water being badly neglected. The currently identified backlog of repairs amounts to in excess of £3.3 million. The majority of the hospital building was constructed in the late 1980s after a devastating fire had ripped through the building in April 1984. In the Exco paper, it states that it is reasonable to assume that the building's structure, if adequately maintained, will last between 50 and 100 years. However, the services to the hospital, such as the heating systems, lighting, ventilation and electrical, rarely last more than 25 years before requiring replacement. And what's more worrying is that a number of recent reports from external consultants have highlighted that the electrical system, the water system and the building fire system are inadequate or defective. 
Time and time again, we're told that without a good maintenance budget, the building, which has cost sometimes millions of pounds, will fall into disrepair. The problem is the, the building hasn't been maintained perhaps as, as well as we should have done it uh, and, and that's led to sewage problems and problems with the, the diameter of, of the piping for the sewage and that's causing some problems. Again, Legionella, a, a serious condition, particularly in the hospital where people will be vulnerable uh, and that's fairly readily treated by just temperature control of the water and, and that's ongoing now. They're actually sterilising some of the water areas making sure that the water that comes out of certain taps has to be at a certain temperature above 50 degrees so that we keep Legionella under control. So those processes are now being put in place um, and, I, and I'm sure that over, over the months to come things will improve. In the Exco paper, the Deputy Director of Public Works estimates that the annual operational budget for the hospital should total £1 million, which is a combination of the external fabric of the building and the internal services and finishes. Instead, the hospital was managing on less than half of that. There is a list of current known maintenance-based upgrades and repairs that are required. The list includes replacing electrical distribution boards, renewing the defective ventilation systems and a number of fire safety issues which is particularly alarming considering how devastating the fire in 1984 was. The fire safety features alone will cost £710,000. That's over 20% of the expected upgrade budget. To put right the historic build-up of defects will take time and appropriate funding, but as the hospital is currently op operational, the works won't be able to be done quickly. The Exco paper requests that funding must be immediately available so that the Department of Health and the Public Works Department can take advantage of some potentially short-term opportunities. FIG has a legal duty of care to users of the hospital, be them staff, patients or visitors. And in the light of the information on these reports, FIG needs to act. Ben Hoyles appeared in the Magistrates Court on the 17th of March to be sentenced for two charges of threatening behaviour, of which he was found guilty in February. He was sentenced to seven months imprisonment, suspended for 18 months, ordered to pay £1,100 in court costs and was given a restraining order preventing him from contacting the victims and from using certain facilities at the Stanley Leisure Centre. Executive Council agreed a revised vessel entry policy for the Falkland Islands last week. The revised principles ensure a consistent approach to vessels and quarantining to protect the Falkland Islands community and the operational capacity of the KMH. We spoke to MLA Teslin Barkman, who holds the portfolio for fisheries. Um, so this new um, review of the vessel policy ties together um, what were different considerations kind of across different um, that, that have been developed over the year in, in response to COVID. So for instance, the need to keep the SAS vessel coming in and help to quantify you know, what kind of quarantine arrangements would need to be in place around you know, keeping some of those operational needs uh, running for, for the islands and its needs, as well as the regulation that we've uh, attached to say the fishing industry or to stopping cruise vessels coming in. And what we didn't want is to be looking at it on a case-by-case -case basis or pulling something ad hoc out of the air every time we need to develop something. So this policy ties all together and gives the Director of Natural Resources the authority to be able to issue guidance specifically to ensure the islands are safe. The construction contract for Tuslock House has been awarded to local contractor RSK Falkland Islands Limited. 
The groundwork for the new community facility was completed in October 2020 and it is expected that the building work will begin in October 2021. On Saturday, news agency Merco Press published an article stating that the LATAM Airlink could be resuming in July this year. We spoke to Development and Commercial Services portfolio holder MLA Dr Barry Ellsby for some clarity on the situation. What appeared in Merco Press, I'm not sure how they got that information. As you know, the, the, we've gapped, if you like, those LATAM flights until the end of June. And, and that's by agreement between LATAM and ourselves because of all the things we know about, the, the, the COVID that's happening in, in the world, but particularly in some countries in South America. Um, so no, there is no commitment to starting in July. All we've done up to now is say, we're putting it on hold until June the 30th, but we're going to review things as that time approaches. But there is no restart date. The Royal Falkland Islands Police were honoured in a special ceremony at Government House on Tuesday night. Hannah went along and spoke to Chief of Police Superintendent Jeff McMahon. Tonight is about recognising public service and public service specifically in the police service. There's no I in team, we all hear this, but I think it's an absolute truism that whilst tonight we're recognising individual achievement, the police serve as a team, they serve as a force. But it doesn't escape me that at times you are operating in very, very small numbers in very difficult circumstances. And it doesn't matter whether you're on the streets of London or in Stanley. When you are dealing with difficult situations, whatever they may be, they are challenging of themselves. And I think it's entirely appropriate that the Chief of Police takes the time to acknowledge that in the various guises that we will do tonight. It's a way of recognising staff's contribution to policing in the community. It's an opportunity for us to get together and then express our thanks for officers that have gone above and beyond the call. And as I think the Governor mentioned when he was doing his speeches, it's not the world's busiest policing environment, but there are some unique challenges here. And on the occasions that officers do rise and above and beyond, then it's only right that we reward them and recognise that contribution. We're not tackling armed robbers here and, and uh, the threat and risk, but there are dangers. And it's good, I think, to recognise good work when people go above and beyond the norm and contribute to policing the Falklands. Uh, just enjoy the evening. And again, I think it's a great um, time to celebrate RFIP and the contributions we do make to the community. We've got I think the community really do appreciate the police. Some might not express it like that, but in terms of need, we are there for people. We provide a 24-7 service to the community as well. We're the only kind of big um, group of people that do that. Um, and, and that's what we want to do, is serve the, the community. Good relations with, with camp, with MPC as well, because we're of the community in, in different areas and, and the different demographics that exist. Uh, and I think, yeah, the, the guys and girls make a really good contribution to uh, making sure everybody stays safe. You might guess what the toast will be to. The Royal Falklands, please. Royal Falklands, please. 
A new craft market has been popping up and last weekend it appeared at the Parish Hall. The pop-up artisan market had a number of stalls offering crafts and gifts made locally. We caught up with the organisers Samantha Chapman of Chapman's Colourful Creations and also Giselle Richards of G Unique Designs. The second one of these pop-up artisan markets, how are they going? They're going really well actually. It's been like a steady stream of people coming all day. Um, I've tried to share it on different social medias um, and I think we've got a bit more space here at the parish hall so we might get some more people next time. So how often do you think you're going to run these? Um, maybe every month if possible. Um, there is some that are run by um, bishops um, so we'll go to those as well but yeah hopefully every month to six weeks maybe. How did this all come about then? Um, so the craft market came about because in November we attended one that was up at the FIDF Hall um, and it was really successful but we were waiting on the next one to happen so um, Sam Chapman and Helen Davies and I we thought we'd get together and do a little mini version of our own craft market um, because we really wanted to do something in time for Valentine's Day which was last month and then this time we thought we'd do one in time for Mother's Day and we thought we'd open it up to more um, crafters to see if they were interested and we had a great response so we were very very happy with it. Just tell us a bit about what we, who we've got in this market today. Okay so um, we've got Tamara's Treasures who does um, crochet work and other pebble work. We've got Helen Davies who does um, her own beautiful handmade cards and paintings. We've got Tipper who has some beautiful woodwork. Um, I haven't seen Tipper's work before so it's been really nice. Um, myself who does handcrafted jewellery and positivity gifts. We've got the Hairy Daisy who does beautiful pewter jewellery. Um, we've got Nutmeg Housecraft who are doing their um, pebbles and melts, their wax melts. And we've got Crafts for You who have a mixture of stuff. She's got some beautiful polished um, pebbles. She's got crochet, knitted work. So it's quite a big range. And of course we've got Sam Chapman who has her printed, um, printed creative um, creations. The new inline hockey season got underway on Tuesday evening as players found out their new teams ahead of the league starting up. We spoke to one of the organisers, Sam Cockwell, as well as some of the members of the league. Great new start of the season then. Yeah, it's really nice to get cracking and obviously after this last year uh, where everything was kind of off for <laughs> quite a while and we weren't quite sure how this year was going to work out, we've been really lucky to, uh, to get all the support we have and of uh, not only players and members but also our sponsors and everyone else. So, so what's happening tonight? So tonight we are announcing new teams. Uh, unusually this year we've kept it under wraps until tonight um, because we've got brand new teams, brand new logos, brand new shirt designs. Uh, so the whole look of the league has changed. So we're uh, really excited to sort of reveal that all at once rather than uh, give people a hint as to where they might be. So yeah, it's been a bit of a hard to keep under wraps but we've managed to do that so it's really good. Harry, is this your first season doing hockey? Yes. And how are you feeling about it? Good. Have you done it before? Yeah, no. So what, what kind of things have you got to do, do you know? Uh, skate around and, and like have, we had a mini match last time and we're doing like little going around cones and stuff. Okay, so it's all like technical stuff then. 
And, and how are you feeling about being in the Bulldogs? Are you happy with that team? Yeah. Do you know anyone else in your team? Tori. Okay. Uh, that's all right now. You're going to do well? Yeah. Yeah. Let's hear you go, yeah! Yeah. Theo, how long have you been doing this? Um, a few years, probably I'd say four or so. And this year you're finding yourself in, what, what league teams are you finding in this year? Um, well, in the seniors I'm in Venom, um, and in Elite I'm in Dragons. Are you happy with those choices? Yeah. Yeah, they're really nice shirts as well, since we got the new logos. What kind of position are you playing in? Um, not sure yet. Um, I'm just happy wherever I'm put, really. Taylor, not your first time in the uh, in the league this year, is it? Uh, no, it's not. I've been doing it for like three, three or half years now, something like that. Um, it's very enjoyable. I really like it. Uh, I went from peewees to uh, rookies to to juniors to rookies now, and yeah. How, how much commitment do you have to give it each week, though? A lot, especially if you're training for rookies or elites or adults, as you can go to games. It's it, there's never it's never too late to join. Um, we've got a Falklands Hockey Facebook page, um, and of course our website hockey.co.fk, where you can always get in touch with us as well. A newly formed group of ham radio enthusiasts from far and wide came together on Saturday at York Bay for a special field day. The group, who normally operate from their homes, put up some antenna and transmitted over the airwaves from out in the field. Ollie went along and caught up with Bobby Short, who recalled some of his earlier memories of amateur radio. We, you know, we, we transmit signals to the other side of the world. You know, uh, either SSB, which is voice, which is not so much these days, uh, but also the through through computers with digital signals, we we you know we can send uh, send uh, reports and signals to the other side of the world just through our radios. It goes quite a way back, really, from when I was a boy. I used to go to Walker Creek school holidays with my mother and and. Uh, stepfather and he was a ham radio or he's a ham radio operator used to help him build antennas and that and sort of got the hook so yeah no I do enjoy the uh, radio oh, it's here for everything it's here to for, to have a group of hams together it's here to help help uh, new members come through you know you know if it's if new new people turned up here today we'd give up our seats and let them get on the radio and stuff and teach them stuff what we know and a good place to start is, you know, Facebook's an open place, there's stuff on, you know, look, ask around, mates, come and see one of us ham operators, have you on, see if it's a hobby you want to get involved in, I mean, it's uh, like any other hobby, it's quite expensive, obviously, you've got to buy equipment and you've got to have a license and, and uh, yeah, I mean, if people's interested in communications, I think it's a brilliant hobby. If you'd like to get in touch with us at FITV, you can contact us through our social media pages or call us on 22649. You can watch FITV via the KTV Broadcasting Service or online through our website, fitv.co.fk. That's it for this week's News Roundup. Catch us next week for all the latest news in the Falkland Islands. Mm -hmm.